The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. Uh, I'll let you know we are in a journey uh, through the book of Matthew. And you know, some journeys are short, some journeys are long. And uh, this is like part, what, 53, 54, I don't know, I've lost track. But um, I love preaching verse by verse, or really book by book. Okay, uh, through the Bible. And the reason I like that, number one, we get context. It's hard to, harder to take things out of context. But two, uh, it makes me preach the whole counsel of God, not just pick and choose, you know, cherry pick different texts. So we are in uh, Matthew 14. I would invite you to turn there. And I'll begin in verse 22. Matthew 14, verse 22. We're going to stand in just a second. But before I do, uh, I want to just say this is a very familiar passage where Jesus walks on the water. Remember that? And you've heard this preach, I'm sure, countless times. Yes? Look at me. Have you heard it preached before? Or you've heard it in Sunday school or something. And how many know that the focus is mainly on Peter getting out of the boat in great faith and then sinking when he takes his eyes off Jesus. Is that the normal, like, main point that you hear? Well, that is a great point, right? It's a great point, and I'm going to unpack it later, but it's not the main point of the story. Look at me. I don't want you to cheat. Look at me right now, everybody. Without looking at your Bible, how many know the last verse of this passage, or at least what happens? Anybody, raise your hand. Raise your hand high. Keep it up. Yeah? What, What is it? The disciples, after Jesus rescues them, they say, this truly is the Son of God, and they worship him. That's the point of the text. So don't miss that. With their great application, but this is not an allegory. Like, this is historical. How many believe that? So there you go. Matthew 14, uh, stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word, and we're going to begin in verse 22. The Bible says that immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it's I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out into the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and the beginning uh, and beginning to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and he took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The Word of God for the people of God. You may be seated.
Well, we live in the Bible Belt. Most people in our state, in this region, know who Jesus is, or at least something about him. It's, you know, they don't hear the name Jesus and be like, who? You know? No, most people know who he is, and a lot of them claim to serve him. But how many know many people have misconceptions about who Jesus truly is? There are some who think that Jesus is merely a prophet. There are some who think that Jesus is merely a good teacher meant to teach us the ways of God. There are some who think that Jesus is just an example come to show us how to live. And while there are truth in, in all, there's truth in all those claims, that's not all to the story. That's what we see in the text. I'm getting some feedback up here, wherever. So that's not all to Jesus, right? Jesus, as Matthew has shown us, is divine. He is the Messiah. What have we seen thus far in Matthew? We have seen that Jesus has power over sickness. How many believe that? He has power over the demonic realm. How many believe that? He even has power to raise the dead. Remember remember the ruler's daughter? He has power to raise from the dead. He has power even, he claimed, to be able to forgive sins. And then we've seen before and we see again this morning that he has the power over the natural realm, which is something that only God alone has. Do you see what Matthew is trying to show his readers? And so we come to this passage today and we have two acts, kind of like a a play, right? We're not going to do intermission today, but I'm, I'm going to uh, break down Act 1 and Act 2. In Act 1, what we see is this. We see that Jesus is the God-man, an extremely important doctrine that he is fully God, fully man. Amen. The second uh, act is this. It's how the, we, we see how the disciples react to the revelation of who Jesus is. And I think it will help us respond to him in a God-honoring way. Are you with me? Very simple thesis today. Who is Jesus and how should we respond? All right, so number one, what we see in the text is that Jesus was and is fully man. We see his humanity. It's what we just celebrated at Christmas. Can you believe it was only like four or five weeks ago? Time flies when you're having fun, right? So we we celebrate at Christmas the incarnation, the fact that Jesus, listen, he's not a demigod. He's not half man, half God, like Greek, you know, mythology. No, fully man, fully God. He became, listen, as God, he took on flesh. He's Emmanuel, God with us. Listen, he became fully immersed in the human experience, yet without sin. He fully immersed himself into our condition, yet without sin. So here's how I think we see Jesus' humanity. 
There's a, a previous text that, you know, if you go up, you'll see there's a story that another familiar one, Pastor Brent Ben preached a dynamite message on it a couple of weeks ago, and it's the, the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus fed uh, 5,000 with barely any food. It was miraculous. That's 5,000 men plus women and children. A lot of people. And so, what is so interesting, we don't know this from Matthew, but John tells the same story about the feeding of the 5,000, but he gives us some insight that we don't see in Matthew. Let me read this. This is John 6, verse 15. John 6, verse 15. Here's what it says. Perceiving then that they, that would be the crowd, were about to come and take him by force, take Jesus by force, to make him king... Jesus withdrew again to go to the mountain by himself. The people, you know, the, the Jewish people, they've been waiting for their Messiah for some time, right? And they are still having this, these misconceptions about what the Messiah would do. What did they want? They wanted deliverance from Rome. They wanted to be uh, out from under the, the tyranny of the emperor, they wanted their freedom, right? So they wanted a Messiah who would come like David and wipe out their enemies, obliterate all who stood in their way. And so they see Jesus do this miracle and they think, oh man, here it is. And they were about to force him, to attempt to force him to be king. They had no category for a suffering servant. Now, to be sure, Jesus would become king, amen? Amen. But he wouldn't do it through blunt force. How would he do it? Sacrifice by laying down his life as a ransom for many. The way that he would deal with evil and injustice would not come by force, but it would come at Calvary. As we talked about earlier, that's when the devil's end was final. Don't mind our baptistry. It does this every time it rains. Always at the right time, huh? So let me just give you some speculation here because I said I, we see Jesus' humanity. This is speculation, but I think with good reason. There may have been temptation on Jesus' part to go ahead and be crowned King Messiah. It'd be a lot easier, wouldn't it, than going to Calvary? You say, well, I don't think Jesus would be tempted, really. Doesn't Hebrews say he was tempted in every way, yet without sin? The disciples likely, you know, it says here in verse 22 that, that he made the disciples get into the boat. How many know Jesus does not suggest things? He commands them. When he says repent and be baptized, he means repent and be baptized. Well, pastor, I don't know if I need to be baptized. He doesn't make suggestions. And you're in luck because we're doing baptisms next week. There's a plug. Didn't even plan that. I feel the Lord this morning. But he had to, think of this, he had to make the disciples, strong word, make the disciples get in the boat, which tells me there was a little bit of reluctance to get in. And think about this, the disciples, since they followed Jesus, they don't have the most money in the world. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head, right? They, they, are, they are thought of by the religious people as fools, those who have rejected Jesus, They've been mocked. They've been mistreated. But just think, if Jesus becomes king, like if they crown him 
It's like, man, we'll show them. Now I can move to a place of prominence, right? That's what they think. So after they see this miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, here's what they say. The crowd say, we'll make him king. This has to be our king and we're going to do this now. But what does Jesus do? He goes along alone to pray. How many know that's what we need to do when we face temptation? That's what we need to do when we face temptation. He was not about to let his disciples nor the crowds circumvent God's plan for his life. How many know that well-meaning Christians will sometimes unknowingly steer you away from God's will? can't tell you how many people since I've been at this church, friends, family, well-meaning people have said, Pastor, I know God's got something better for you. It's time. You need a big church. <laughs> I, I'm, I've, I've, I have. Listen, God has me here. There's nothing more special. I'm thank God for big churches. There's nothing more special about a big church. Are you kidding me? Jesus had 12 followers and one of them was crooked. I'll count my blessings for 100 people, right? And you all, I, listen, I wouldn't trade you for a church of 1,000. You're, you're the great, I'm, I mean it. You are the greatest people. Um, wow, Nikki and I love you guys. But well-meaning people have just, they look at the, they say, listen, you'll have a bigger budget, you'll have a full-time staff, bigger building, just imagine that. And how many know when you hear that enough, it can be tempting? Sometimes you've just got to cut out the voices of the people around you, and you need to do like Jesus and get alone and pray. How many know, like, I love people, but there's times when I'm making big decisions in my life when I just need to say, you know what? <laughs> I, I don't need to be on the phone with you. I don't need you calling me. I, don't, I, don't, I need to step away. It's not, I'm not mad at you. I just need to hear the Lord for myself. We need to get alone and pray. What we see here, I think, in that part is that Jesus is fully man. He stepped down completely into the human condition, suffered like we suffer, loved like we love, served like we're called to serve. It's encouraging, but not only do we see Jesus' humanity in this text, but we see his divinity as well. We see that he's fully God. Now, this is awesome. For you Bible nerds, stay with me for a second. The rest of you, uh, talk to your neighbor for a minute. But um, <laughs> the disciples are in this violent storm, right? And Jesus walks on water from afar. And that's not the country way to say a fire, okay? <laughs> There's fire over there, right? No, it's a fire. <laughs> and, uh, and what do they do? They begin to freak out. And, and they think, man, here's a ghost. And Ghostbusters aren't anywhere new. We aren't, you know, anywhere near. We ain't afraid of no ghost. They're not there. The disciples are frightened. And here's Jesus' response to them. Verse 27, immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, and I want you to underline this or highlight it on your device. Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. I want you to pay special attention to it as I. Now, in the English translation, I don't care which translation you have, you, you're not going to get what I'm saying, Bible nerds. But the, the translation, it is I, comes from two Greek words. Okay, here they are. Ego, eme. 
Ego eme, or I may, okay? Two words. You know what the exact translation is, word for word? I am. Jesus, here's what he says. Take heart. I am. Do not fear. And you go, what's significant about that? That just sounds like bad English, right? <laughs> what we know is this from the Old Testament. I am is God's revealed name. Let me just read you uh, one. There, there are several texts that, that allude to this, but let me read you a very explicit, uh, succinct um, title here that, that comes from Exodus 3, 13 through 14. Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me and they ask me, hey, what's his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, what? I am who I am. Now watch this. Here's the explicit reference to this. Say to the people of Israel, I am sent me to you. <laughs> Jesus has used this term for himself in another place. It's recorded in John eight fifty eight. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, he didn't say I was, he says, I am. What is Jesus doing here? He's claiming deity. We also see the deity of Jesus in his calming of the wind and the waves the second time we've seen this in Matthew. The Jews know at this point that it is God alone who controls the winds and the waves, the elements that we're subject to. In Matthew 8, what's so interesting is Jesus calms the storm with the disciples. And you remember what they asked? They don't worship him. What do they say? Who is this man? Who is this that even the winds and the waves obey? They're a little bit. Anybody just slow to catch on in here like me? We're in good company because disciples, they've been with Jesus now two years. And they're going, oh, yeah. They're still not all the way there yet. They're, they're all, I mean, son of God. But then we'll get later to Peter's confession. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Now they've got the puzzle all the way together. And Jesus says, oh, on this I'll build my church. So Jesus in this moment is not just claiming divinity, but he's exemplifying divinity. Are you with me? I mean, anybody can say, oh, I'm a God. Anybody can say I'm the Messiah, and there were many people in the ancient world who were false messiahs, but how many know Jesus lived the life to back it up? So here we see Jesus' deity also in that last verse, and those in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the Son of God. Who alone is allowed to be worshiped? God. Who alone is worthy of worship? God. Does Jesus reject their worship here? No. The disciples worship him, and it seems to me that he receives it. Exodus 23, you shall have no other gods before me. Yet Jesus allows their worship. He's claiming deity, folks. And, and why is this important? Why is this doctrine important? Um, well, when you see Jesus' humanity, one, because of that, he, he lived as us yet without sin. It made him able to sacrifice himself for us as a human being and God. 
But one of the things that I love practically speaking about Jesus' humanity, that the Bible says that he can sympathize with us. You, this is profound. You don't have a, a, a God who doesn't understand suffering. So when you're going through some issue, you, you know, uh, let's say that, that you deal with some mental health issue, okay? You don't want to talk to somebody who's not been there. I don't care how many degrees they have. You don't want to talk to somebody. If you're depressed, you don't want to talk to somebody who's never been there and says, well, I know how you feel. It's like, no, you don't. Right? How amazing is it that we have a Savior who is empathic, who, is, who sympathizes with us in our suffering, in the weakness of the flesh. Here's another, you remember the thing, I, I, I said that there are many misconceptions about Jesus. Oh, he's just, there are some people who reject um, his divinity, but they say, well, he was a good teacher, a good rabbi. What we see here is that doesn't work. And here's why it doesn't work. Jesus cannot be a moral teacher if he's not God. Why? Because he claimed to be God. Jesus cannot be a prophet if he's not God because he's not prophesying the truth. He can be a false prophet. He claimed deity, which C.S. Lewis uh, said it means this. He, he called this the trilemma. Either he is a liar, Jesus, or he's a lunatic, or he's Lord. He could be, he could know he's not God, but preach it, trying to get a following, and that would make him a liar, which means he's not a moral teacher, he's not a prophet, he's not somebody that we should emulate. Or perhaps maybe he is not the Messiah, but maybe he really believes it. Maybe he really believes it. What would that make him? A lunatic. What's the only other plausible answer? He is who he says he is, which means he's Lord. It's a beautiful, beautiful story that we have here, seeing the humanity and the divinity of Jesus, fully God, fully man. So act two now, ready? The disciples, we'll look at them for a moment. And this is, uh, this, this section tells us how we should respond to the deity of Jesus. And number one, what I see is that we respond in obedience. Again, God doesn't give suggestions. He gives commands. So Jesus commands, listen here, his disciples to go ahead of him to a fishing village located on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And he says, go without me. And, and they are reluctant, remember? And so what happens? They, they actually obey, but then they get out on the water and what do they run into? A storm. The, their boat is beaten by the wind and the waves and yet they obey Jesus. Let that just, just chew on that for a moment. The storm throws them off course to where they can't reach their destination. And as Christians, we ought to aim to do the will of God, right? But here's what I want you to know. Even when you do the will of God, it doesn't mean that your life will be perfect, cupcakes and rainbows kind of thing. So don't think when you set out to do something for the Lord and something bad happens, don't think, well, I missed the Lord. I mean, maybe you did, but don't assume that. Don't assume it. 
How many have, have really done that? Like you've stepped out and started a ministry or you've done something really kind for somebody that the Lord laid on your heart and then kind of all hell breaks loose in your life and you think, oh, why me? Lord, I'm trying to serve you, but this is so, you know. Listen, that's life. That's life. What we see here, this is encouraging to me. Sometimes when that happens, when we're serving the Lord, our faith can be up and down, up and down, up and down, right? And I know James warns against that, but thank God for his grace. If we're honest, there's times when we, most of us, uh, if you're like me, uh, when, when you sometimes question the Lord's blessing in your life and his presence in your life. It's like, Lord, it's like you're not in the boat with me. That's what it feels like sometimes. And what we see here is that Peter has this kind of vacillating faith. It's up and down, up and down. And, and Peter is a bit impetuous, isn't he? He's impulsive. He makes quick decisions. Makes me feel better about myself. And so here they see this figure on the water. And uh, Jesus says, oh, I am. They think it's a ghost. Jesus says, I am. Don't fear. And I just think immediately Peter says, Hey, call me out there if it's you. And he, start, and he steps down in this dark, tumultuous waters. Like, think of that. How many people are just a little impulsive like that? Oh, Lord, send me, right? And then you're like, oh. I met some people on the mission field in Guadalajara, and uh, this lady, I think, had this college-age girl had an uh, emotional experience at camp or something. And, oh, I'm called the missions, and I'm going. And she moves to Guadalajara. And I get there, and she's like, this isn't what I'm called to do. <laughs> she had a Peter moment, right? So what I love about Peter, though, is that he does put his faith in God. He doesn't think about it. He just steps out in faith. I mean, he stepped out of the boat. I think of Yoda, uh, you know, and he says, uh, do or do not, there is no try. Peter did it, right? Sometimes we give him a hard time for, for sinking, but man, he's one that got out of the boat. How many of us would have done that? And so I believe we need to be quick to obey God. But let me say like, you know, Peter said, Lord, call me out there if it's you. Can I just tell you, be careful what you ask the Lord for because he just might give it to you. <laughs> I love that old Garth Brooks song. Um, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. I'm thankful the times he doesn't give me what I ask when I think it's best for me, and it's not. We, uh, we stepped out in faith a few weeks ago. Uh, I had, most of you know this, but I'll, I'll tell a quick version. <clears throat> I had a pastor from the Methodist Church, associate pastor, call me for, said, Chris, I want to have coffee with you. I've got, I got something to run by. I said, sure. So we met at Purdy's, and, and he said, listen, um, there's no homeless shelter in Madison County for the homeless. So he said, listen, um, we're part of this organization called Madison Home, and all these churches have gotten together, and each church houses the homeless one night a week. We don't have anybody on Tuesday nights, by the way, and we'd like you to do it. When does it start? I thought he said in a week, but he did say three weeks. Three weeks. Wait a minute. We've had no training. We don't have a big church. We don't have cots. We don't have sheets. You got to feed them dinner, breakfast, and then send them away with a sack lunch. We don't have the budget. 
We don't have the volunteers. It's three weeks away. So I, I told him when we we're having coffee, I, normally I'm like Peter and impulsive, but I said, you know what, let me pray on it. Let me think about it. And as I'm driving back to church, I'm thinking, no way we can do this. We'll help another church, but there's no way we can make it happen. But God, <laughs> I believe he began to speak to my heart. And I was reminded of Jesus' words. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was hungry and you fed me. Lord, when do we do that? What you've done to the least of these, my brothers, you've done it unto me. And I thought, I'm not turning Jesus away. So I was at men's breakfast. We meet at uh, Chick-fil-A. If you're, not, if you're a man and you're not going with us, man, meet us at Chick-fil-A. It's Chick-fil-A. Come on. It's 6 o'clock in the morning, but Chick-fil-A is worth it. And even more, it's systematic theology. And you're like, oh, that sounds fun. Uh, it really is. We have about 10, well, 15 guys if they would all come at once. We've got to make that happen before we're done with this study. But we'd love for you to join us. But we're sitting there. And now it's, it's about two and a half weeks away. And Ron Ham looks at me and says, I'll do it. I'll oversee it. I said, really? And then all of a sudden, Ron, it was maybe a week later, we had, I can't believe, Ron was going to do a meeting, he and Kay, with uh, volunteers. Anybody wanted to help? And the fellowship hall was packed out with people. And we have, how many, 15, 20 visit, 20, 23 volunteers. Listen, who give up. Who, who give up their Tuesday nights. It starts at 6. Actually, we start at 4.30 with set up. They spend the night here. Not all of them, but that we do shifts. And then they send them away on Wednesday morning and we have a cleaning crew come in. And you know, when we made this commitment, it's like we stepped out into the waters. But then I started looking at like Peter at the winds and the waves. I thought, what are we going to do? The people... We need, where are we going to find them? The food, the money, the cots, so on and so forth. But what did, what did the Lord do for Peter? When he stepped out of the boat, he began to sink. What did the Lord do? He reached down and grabbed him, and that's what the Lord has done for us. That's what the Lord will do for you. Peter, I know we've heard this preach. He, he takes his eyes off Jesus, and isn't that... Our makeup sometimes. That's why Paul says in Philippians 4, if there's anything positive, anything pure, noble, praiseworthy, meditate on those things. Because he knows the, the, the tendency of our hearts. Uh, we have this proclivity to, to always see what's wrong. And Paul, by the way, when he's writing that, he's in prison. And he's just said, rejoice in the Lord at all times. And again, I say rejoice. And so Peter takes his eyes off Christ and he begins to sink. He begins to sink. He has this faith that, that fluctuates. And I, it just makes, and, and later on, just chapters later, it's when, you know, Christ says to Peter when he makes that confession on, you, on this, I'll, this rock, I'll build my church, right? This rock, I'll build my church. And it's just interesting how the Lord, when you step out in faith, listen, it's not that you'll never have doubts. I can't promise you that it's going to be easy. But God will, the Lord will stick his hand out by his grace and pull you out of those dark waters. Amen. I'll never forget. Um, so growing up, I loved sports and I thought, man, I'm going to be an athlete. And then I ended up 5'9". <laughs> <clears throat> 
and this is my frame. That's not funny. Um, so I was decent. I loved basketball. I loved tennis to, to, to play those sports. And I was always in leagues and stuff. But I quickly realized that uh, you might want to find another uh, dream, you know. Um, so I broke, actually, I broke my arm in a, in a <clears throat> semifinal basketball game in a really competitive league that I was in. I was diving for a ball. I was so proud. Like, here's my chance. Like, you know, um, I can't remember who the, I think it was Patino at Kentucky at that time. Like, here's, uh, this is my chance. He's going to see me. I'm going to be drafted. Like, I don't play high school ball, but I'm going to skip that and go right to uh, UK, you know. Actually, NBA might call me, but no, I break my arm. And how many know God uses what the enemy means for harm? And I'm not saying the devil caused it. Actually, I, th I think the Lord allowed that to happen because it changed my life. I broke my right arm, which means that I could still strum a guitar like this. And I was really bored because I couldn't, I, I couldn't shoot basketballs or whatever, you know, and with that cast on, it made it really difficult. So my dad showed me a video that changed my life. He showed me the Unplugged concert by Eric Clapton. Anybody seen that? Sang Layla, Tears in Heaven. And I thought, I mean, he just made that guitar sing, an acoustic guitar. And I was like, this is what I want to do. And so I pursued that dream, and um, I, I took guitar lessons from somebody at church, and man, I was loving it. And I, for, for years, that's all I thought about was music, music, music. My senior year of high school, four of six classes were music classes. I had a full, almost a full ride to, uh, to Georgetown College as a music major and ended up backing out. It scared me to death. But, but here's what happened. From the time I was 15 on, like, I had a great large youth group in, in uh, Winchester, big church there, and I got to lead worship with my friends. It was amazing. And I thought, this is what I want to do with my life. But I'll never forget, um, I had another friend. His name was Andrew Rupert. And Andrew felt a call to pastor a church. And I remember sitting on a pew when I was about 18, and they let Andrew at this large church preach. And I sat there, I was shaking, I was nervous for him, and I thought, I will never do that. <laughs> God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? Here, here's what you need to know. I could sing in front of 10,000 people, but if I had to speak, I don't know if you remember this, if I had to speak in the middle of a song or like in between songs, I would lose my mind. Ten words, I mean, I, I would lose it. So, I get my first, I get to be a music pastor at this my first church, I'm blown away. Kenny speaks in Winchester, hears me play out somewhere, and he says, hey, we're without a worship pastor. Will you fill in? Filled in one week. He said, you want a job? I said, you mean to do music full time? He said, yeah. I said, uh, yeah. So I get hired on, and I'm leading worship, and it's going great. But I'm still thinking, man, I would never do his job, right? I'm just happy being behind the guitar or piano. We're in a staff meeting about a year into my ministry. And we had church Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. And uh, Kenny looks around and he says, uh, he says, guys, he said, uh, I'm going to be gone Sunday night next week and I cannot find anybody to preach for me. And I had a Peter moment. I sensed something in my heart and I just, without thinking, said, I'll do it. And then I thought, oh my goodness. <laughs> he said, really? And then I confirmed it. I'm like, son, you have lost your mind. I'm talking to myself. <laughs> And so I'm thinking all week, like I'm sweating bullets and I'm preparing. I remember the message out of Galatians 5, and it was probably awful. I'm glad, so glad I don't have a, I don't have a, a tape of that. It was on cassette tapes. Um, that tells you how long ago it was. 
But it was, uh, I remember I was so nervous before I, I went on the platform to get behind the pulpit that my praise team had to lay hands on me in the back and, and I was literally shaking like this. But I, the Lord did not let me sink. I'll never forget this in spite of my lack of knowledge and lack of eloquence that I'm sure accompanied my sermon. I, I, I don't remember much. All I remember is the altars being full. And I knew it that morning. That, I knew that night. This is what the Lord's called me to do. He's all, he called me out into these unfamiliar waters that looked tumultuous to me. And brothers and sisters, he's never left me. Amen. And I love what I do now. I'm not quite as scared anymore. <laughs> I've got to close. Let me just point out one more thing here. Zach, you can go ahead and come up. Verse 31 <clears throat> says, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him saying, Oh, you of a little faith, why did you doubt? Peter has this faith that's kind of fluctuating, right? But I love this. Um, the Lord did rebuke him. Oh, ye of little faith. But he didn't rebuke him and then stick out his hand. What's he do? He, he rescues him and then he challenges him, exhorts him. We serve a, a God of grace. And I'm, I'm grateful that in the times where our, our faith seems to fail and we doubt God, though he, he's brought us through many times. The Lord does discipline those whom he loves. But aren't you glad that before he does that, he reaches out a hand of grace? What an amazing God we serve. So here's what I'll leave you with today. We see that Jesus is fully God, fully man. And we see the only logical response, if that's, that claim is true, is to worship him. If you've never received Jesus, if you're watching online, if you're in this place, listen, I plead with you. Get out of the boat and walk towards him today. I know it's scary to make that kind of commitment. Listen to me. Some of you think you've got to clean yourself up and then come to him. No, sir. No, ma'am. You get out of the boat and he will cleanse you. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org. Real Life Community Church is located at 335 Glendon Avenue in Richmond, Kentucky. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday at 1045 a.m. or Wednesday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at myrealchurch.org.